All right, welcome to Therapize Podcast. It's your host, Guy Hernandez, licensed marriage and family therapist here in California. Today we have a special guest, my partner, Maria Gregory. She's a licensed educational psychologist. We'll talk about what that means in the interview portion. Uh, you can find her website at mariagregorylep.com for further information information and resources after listening to the episode. And today we're going to talk about recognizing symptoms of mental health in children and what can be done to support in helping children through uh, or improving their mental health. Anyways, as always for Therapize Podcast, please understand that this is not to replace your own mental health treatment and or support. This is an informational podcast and hopefully it just serves as a place of reflection and a place where uh, we can destigmatize mental health and make it a more uh, public and acceptable topic. Anyways, please follow Therapize Podcast on Facebook, Instagram at Therapize underscore, underscore podcast. Please share, like, rate, do all that stuff. It is much appreciated. If you want to be a guest, you know where to find me. You can find me on those social media. Uh, please reference the show notes for links to theme music from today, to uh, Maria Gregory's website, and to other resources we might mention. So yes, please review in the show notes for all of those links. And you could always contact me and we can discuss uh, further resources that, that may be applicable to you that you might be looking for. Anyway, Anyways, without further ado, please enjoy this interview. Therapize podcast. Thank you, Mar- Maria Gregory, for uh, sitting down with me today and talking about special education. Uh, well, anyways, go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners. Hi, I'm Maria Gregory, licensed educational psychologist. I practice as a school psychologist in public schools um, for grades transitional kindergarten through fifth grade, and then I practice privately here in Berkeley. Okay, well, thank you. Can you describe briefly for the audience, assuming that they may all not know what special right. education really means, what it entails, but a brief snapshot mm-hmm. of what, yeah, what is special education? Yeah, and before I um, go into that, I'll just talk like what a school psychologist does mm-hmm. is we um, we conduct assessments to determine when a child meets uh, eligibility to receive special education, and special education is just you know broadly just services and support systems to help a. A child access their education. Excellent. The way, um, you know, having done a lot of work on the mental health field, providing mental health services for those receiving special special education, I, I've often found that a lot of times even those receiving special education don't quite know what it even entails. Mm-hmm. And the way I, I try to break it down, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is I guess in the way you said it, but of taking special and actually making it into the word specialized if they think it that way Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. think it as that there's this baseline of education that those the general population will receive Mm -hmm. and then if there's potentially outliers that is 
that are found through your psychological testing mm-hmm. that aren't able to access it through that baseline, then more services or interventions are added to help that child then access their education. Yes, exactly. So yeah. it's a, a specialized plan mm-hmm. uh, to support a student who um, needs some specific area of targeted intervention. Okay, excellent. All right, well, I think we're here today to talk more specifically about recognizing mental health symptoms in children. Mm-hmm. So what have you noticed or what do you find that's important to share today about some of those symptoms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just in my work with the little ones, um, I come in to assess when there's a problem that usually the teacher um, has identified, um, or sometimes the parent. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to focus on like TK and kindergarten and first grade. Um, and uh, part of my job, or the big part of my job, is to first assume the best in this child and that they would uh, be behaving in the way that everyone else is in the classroom if they could. And so I go in and I assess and I'm really trying to understand is there some delay that's um, impacting the child from um, functioning just as well as everyone else in the classroom. So I go kind of in into the assessment with that framework and that and that lens, and I work on a multidisciplinary team with speech and language pathologists and occupational therapists and special education teachers. And so we have this sort of dynamic assessment. Um, and and oftentimes, uh, what comes out is some some delay that you know kind of really explains why the child has been uh, showing emotional distress or behavioral difficulties. And um, and so that's sort of what I. What I do is um, find out what's going on to better explain the, you know, the big picture. Mm-hmm. So the thing that comes to my mind immediately, right, is like on the mental health of the integration of mental health, mm-hmm. right, is that because we're taking a similar lens when we're trying to figure out what's going on for the child. So say mm-hmm. the symptoms are coming out mm-hmm. as this child is getting up, walking around when they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. They're talking maybe incessantly. Uh, maybe they're the class clown, mm-hmm. or maybe they're isolated and really shut away. Either way, we can we would have the evidence that they're not accessing their education because they're maybe not completing the work, or through the testing they're showing they're not sh- they're not showing any academic improvement. Mm-hmm. And then it's your job to assess out what is it exactly. Is mm-hmm. it as simple as they don't have glasses, mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one's ever really asked it like, mm-hmm. can they see the board? Right. Uh, and then it may be something more complex. Uh, it, it, right. Yeah. In terms I go of processing, into, and then maybe right. it's some, it, it, then it could also be on the mental health side as well, right? It could be maybe the kid is suffering from severe depression mm-hmm. or anxiety, or trauma, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or trauma, and then it's displaying itself in in those forms. Uh, so briefly, one thing that comes to my mind, right, is how quickly we can label that child as defiant mm-hmm. uh, or not uh, not compliant, mm-hmm. and then we treat him as such. Mm-hmm. or them as such, right? And then that starts leading to maybe different outcomes because right. we've overlooked what the child may, is maybe uh, needing that they're not getting. Exactly, exactly. I think our jobs are similar in that we try to uh, figure out what's going on from preventing uh, our client from from acting mm-hmm. in a way that's helpful. Um, and we both, we both go in to kind of figure out why and, and what the person needs 
Um, so similarly in that in that way. So you had mentioned, oh, we both had mentioned talking about some of the symptoms, and I kind mm-hmm. of went over some. Do you have some specific symptoms that you want to cover and what they might what they might mean? Yeah, um, well, I guess I'll start with some of the the most common delays and how these delays sort of show up um, at school uh, and they sort of mimic mental health symptoms. Um, So I'll just start with like language. So when a child um, has a language delay, uh, meaning they just have fewer words in their vocabulary bank to use, um, they can't always express themselves in a way that maybe their other kindergarten peers can. And so it leads to frustration. Um, and that kid, you might see them, you know, just grabbing to get someone's attention or, um, you know, walking up in the middle of the class to get the teacher's attention while everyone else can sit there and raise their hand. Uh, you, you see things like that. Um, and then also uh, speech and language delays, articulation. So uh, forming correct pronunciation of certain words. And so what we know is that when children have articulation delays it's actually pretty taxing to form sounds and so tac- mm-hmm. so talking is just arduous and so they just avoid it and so that's when the kid might use hands to get their needs met or um or do things that are just uh, atypical and uh and then they get frustrated when others aren't maybe understanding what they're saying sometimes those kids are teased because they can't sound out um the words correctly and and kids are you know unkind sometimes and make fun of that and so they get frustrated when they do try to talk so all these um, symptoms of delays can uh, create emotional distress for the kid um, and then that's when you see the behaviors um, so that's language um, another language or another delay that we see often are just motor delays whether it's fine motor so integrating hand-eye coordination when using a pencil or cutting or gluing, anything like that. And if that's difficult, um, you might see a a child shutting down when that's an activity. Um, And or or they might just be avoiding it. And what avoidance looks like is running around the classroom um, because they're avoiding that specific task. And and it's not that they're trying to be defiant. They just don't know how, I mean, they don't know what's going on with their fingers. And Mm fine motor coordination all they know is they don't want to do this activity and so they're going to do what they know how to do to uh avoid and distract Mm -hmm. the teacher um so so (laughs) i've seen i've seen the where you if the kid especially if the kid is kind of charismatic and has like this leadership quality yeah well they'll take over right and they're like just everyone let's all make a big mess and then like they change what what the exercise was exactly. because maybe they want to make it to, to feel something more comfortable to them but they don't know how to say that exactly and you know yeah and yeah and, and I'm thinking of like a kindergartner mm-hmm. how would a kindergartner know mm-hmm. what's going on in their bodies um, uh, also motor related it's a gross motor so um, integrating those big motor movements so you might see a child who who gets really frustrated when you have to do ball activities and can't throw a ball or kick a ball um, or, or run smoothly. So they might be that child who's avoiding, you know, dance activities or big sport activities. Um, and, and everyone else is having fun, a fun time and they're, they're not. Um, and so they might, they might start to avoid those activities uh, and, and, you know, appear anxious around it. Um, another one um, is just the core stability. Um, it's big, 
I didn't realize it till I was in the field, but, um, you know, if your core is not, you know, developed and strong, you, a child will have a hard time just sitting in a cross-legged position for a long time or in a child-sized chair. And so they're that kid that's, you know, fallen all over the place at rug time and falling out of their chair and they're constantly being uh, reprimanded. And it's because of core stability and they just don't have that, you know, fully developed yet. So they're that kid who looks really restless and, um, having a hard time just regulating their body uh, and and they're getting in trouble and and then when you're when you get in trouble enough as a child you start um, you start to feel that and so you, you can start to develop you know some anxiety around mm-hmm. making mistakes and it's out of your control mm-hmm. um, other things related to m- maybe more senses is just um, kids who have a hard time integrating all the senses and something that we see a lot of time are those kids who have a hard time with um, proprioceptive um, <laughs> interactions. And so that's the ability to uh, control your, your body in space. And so that's that kid who might um, be handsy. It's just that kid that's constantly touching. and Because touch feels good. Touch is what, yeah. what allows them to understand where their body is in space. And so that's that kid that's you know, just running by and just smacking everyone in the line because they just really like touch and they just, they don't know why, Uh Um, but they're getting in trouble because they're handsy and it's, uh, you you know, usually touching someone um, uh, against that other person's wants and wishes is, you know, a violation of school rules. And so um, they get in trouble for that. And then that leads to um, sometimes the kid, you know, they, they don't know why they keep getting in trouble. They just know that, um, you know, the other students might start to avoid them mm-hmm. and then and then causes some anxiety because they're the handsy kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Even not like so much hands, but just physically, like I've seen it when you're walking a line of students mm-hmm. and there's the one that Has really struck the wall. Well, that, not only that, but just like physically doesn't stop until they bump into the other yes, person. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. then what we would do is try to remove that person and have them lead the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's a good intervention. <laughs> and and then you'd coach them in the front of them. We'd do stuff like that because they'd consistently do it and then they'd be leaning on the wall. Right. They'd be leaning on their friend and the mm-hmm. friend would get off of me and, and yes. they don't really even realize it. No, but they just like to yeah. be touching against something. Yeah, that's the kid that's like trying to crawl in another kid's lap mm-hmm. while they're, you know, sitting cross-legged next to each other. It's the kid that you know gets really close and um you know kind of has a hard time with bubble space doesn't understand the concept of bubble space naturally and so uh can it can cause social conflicts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so that was the you're talking about the gross motor movements um in senses it's all yeah it's all integrated with with motor essentially um and uh other delays that we see uh in little ones are it's just a delay in self-regulation um, and that's, you know, broadly covering attention span um, and then emotional regulation. So sometimes we see children just unable to size the problem, and that's, that's uh, having a, 
a response to a problem that matches. So sometimes we see a kid have this huge response to a paper cut mm -hmm. or um, you know, have this huge response to not being the line leader. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like a full-on you know, meltdown or tantrum and um, it takes them a really long time to, to recover so much so that the class can't move on with the next activity or they have to be you know, pulled aside to, to help self-soothe. And, and so um, difficulties with the self-regulation can, can impact the child just academically and, and socially. Yeah, I think something that comes to my mind is reflecting uh, back up on students I've worked with that have had a disability of some sort, whether mm -hmm. it be like auditory processing, I'm not going to mm -hmm. get into all of what those mean, but some, some form of uh, disability that is impacting their learning or understanding. Maybe right. it's a speech, uh, a speech delay, mm -hmm. and you take a certain incident that maybe gets overlooked and then I, I end up being there years later when the mental health has started to decline. Right. So for example, let's say I've worked with a child and they had a lisp or right. they, mm -hmm. they couldn't articulate a certain sound and then they were asked to read aloud in class and I'm not suggesting we're not doing that, I'm just saying this is an example. Right. They were then asked to read aloud in class, uh, students tease them right. and or maybe the teacher uh, the teacher's feedback didn't feel supportive to that child. Mm -hmm. Not saying the teacher's not supportive, just saying it could culminate in, in all these different ways. So the the student now starts refusing to sp speak out loud, uh, kind of maybe shuts down, withdraws more. Mm -hmm. This is just one example, mind you, mm -hmm. listeners. And then, and then I, you know, what it and then some. Where does can it go? Where can it go from there? You know, I'm mm -hmm. not. I'm I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm not saying you know any which direction but how one thing can start to one experience right. for these children can start to uh, lend itself to anxiety or other things exactly. if we're not watching for it just like we talk about with yeah. the external behaviors right mm -hmm. if um, if I'm a student and I don't know if I don't know the answer and I keep getting called on for the answer maybe then I learn to adapt and make a joke every time I'm called upon mm -hmm. and then I get in trouble for making that joke and being this playful but it feels maybe she didn't know the answer but it feels easier and maybe more um, comfortable for me mm -hmm. as the child to do do something I'm good at make right. the joke than mm -hmm. to sit there and and maybe feel like I look dumb in front of my peers right. uh, so running with the assumption that yeah. like you said earlier the best intent uh, Assuming the best in the children is they're doing what they kind of know how to do mm -hmm. within their limits to make themselves feel most comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, kids are adaptable. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll work around. And I think you're speaking to kind of how our professions uh, collide and coexist. Mm -hmm. um, since school is so much of a child's um, day, life, week, uh, if they have some difficulty, some delay, uh, they can start to feel it. They can start to feel when the teacher treats them differently or mm -hmm. when they can't do a task that their peers can do. And that's how sometimes, you know, mental health starts to come into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is there another, so you mentioned uh, gross motor movements. I think you yeah, mentioned language. language. Is there another? Uh, self-regulation okay. um, and so when these things are assessed and these things are identified as as being areas of weakness 
special education can support children um, to uh, to improve these skills so that so that we aren't seeing the external behaviors, the externalizing behaviors. Um, but sometimes these these um, skills that we expect students to have at a certain age are actually intact, so that's not what's going on. Uh, and through assessment, you, you find this out. So sometimes language is fine, motor is fine, um, but other things I see related to mental health um, for the little ones is just anxiety, and I'm seeing it at an increasingly high high level uh, nowadays. Um, I see overwhelming number of children with separation anxiety, and um, what that looks like in transitional kindergarten and kindergarten is just, you know, protest at drop off, um, just having a hard time getting to school. Sometimes they'll start uh, complaining of, you know, that they're sick or, or something like that. And so they'll stay home with parents, um, and or they just have this overwhelming fear of getting sick while they're at school and not having a parent there to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Like that's really common. Like they just fear that they're going to get sick potentially and their parent is just gonna to be too far and that's their safe person, right? And so they just have a fear of if you've been just getting sick uh, mm-hmm. and being at school without their parents. Um, so separation anxiety is, is one. Um, selective mutism is another, not as common as separation anxiety, but selective mutism is uh, when the child is selecting to not speak in certain um, spaces and so usually they're talking at home but not at school and um, we often see that coexist with the language delay uh, but it's hard to assess it because if they're not going to talk to us we're not going to know that uh, there's a language impairment Um, but um, sometimes it's uh, problems with word retrieval and so they just like can't pull the words quickly or there's an articulation challenge so they've kind of shut down and they're just not wanting to talk and so they're not talking at school but they're talking at home oftentimes at home our parents are amazing mind readers Mm -hmm. of what their what their child is trying to say they fill in the gaps and so they feel comfortable talking to their parents because they they're able to the parents are able to fill in those gaps right and they're successful right right right. communicating in that environment right but at school you know that children will give them blank looks when mm-hmm. they've said a fragmented sentence or uh, when they're not clear and so they'll they'll shut down um all right yeah and those are the anxiety related ones and for me since i don't generally work with under adolescent age mm-hmm. i i see the anxiety related symptoms start coming out in the school refusal and mm-hmm. i know that anyone's listening to this podcast know that i mentioned before and that's a lot of I see this the school refusal, social, social withdrawal, and more isolative behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you were going to mention some other. Yeah, the other common, um, you know, they're related to mental health, but um, not necessarily to do with anxiety. Um, the other m- main uh, mental health condition I see is ADHD. Um, it's real, and it's a behavioral disorder. Um, that uh, you know, really causes a child a hard time to self-regulate. And, and looking at both types, inattentive is just that hard time attending for long for a long time. They're the daydreamy ones, the ones that space out, and then the hyperactive, the one that the ones that uh, 
you know, move a lot or in constant motion, have a lot of energy, have a hard time sitting for a long time, have a hard time waiting in lines, act impulsively, rush through things, uh, those kinds of symptoms. And so uh, that's another uh, one that we see a lot in, in transitional kindergarten and kindergarten. And right now it's, it's getting a little, over the years it's been a little tricky to tease it apart only because kindergarten has uh, moved away from being play-based to more academic-based. And so we're asking children to, to do things that are beyond their developmental level sometimes. And so you're going to naturally see a kid be restless if they're not developmentally supposed to be able to sit there and do work. However, now trends are moving more towards a play-based uh, transitional kindergarten and kindergarten. So... Um, yeah, no, I think that's all good. That's all good feedback. One thing that popped in my mind too, mm -hmm. right, is, and this is a, uh, I guess, disclaimer to any parents mm -hmm. that might be listening, mm -hmm. and a lot of the work I do is, their child starts struggling, mm -hmm. internally, internally the parent's anxiety may shoot up, yeah, and then they want to answer fast, mm -hmm. right? I think my child has ADHD. I mm -hmm. think my child has this, right? My disclaimer to you is, like slow down right. you know if the child is safe slow mm -hmm. down it's probably not a crisis in the moment and they may feel dismissive to hear but it's like there's there's a lot to understand about what that might child it yeah it could be adhd right, right. but it could be like we talked about earlier maybe it's just something, it could be environment maybe yeah. it's simple as the kid needs glasses and hasn't had an eye doctor check right, right. maybe it's a certain peer had been bullying them there's a lot of factors right. that yeah. the environment kind of needs to figure out and what my disclaimer to certain parents now in my work and now saying it here is you know be curious try to you know talk to your child a lot try to understand how they understand the world around them mm -hmm. because often uh we don't quite know what's going on in the child's inner world unless mm -hmm. we're consistently giving them the space to like explore it and express it outwardly. Sometimes they don't have the language to. So mm -hmm. we, we, as the adults, try to support them in developing the language to tell us about what's going on in the world and how they see their world. Uh, so yeah, it's like I've seen, you know, I think my child has this. Mm -hmm. And then if they stay stuck on that idea, you know, the evidence that they may gather right. may all keep confirming right. that we one all idea. Have confirmation and, bias. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just, you know, is. Uh, my you know disclaimer is to please don't take any of this information and in any of the podcasts mm -hmm. and then turn it into your own self-diagnosis mm -hmm. I know we as humans we urge to find a very concrete answer to kind of settle our anxiety right. and there sometimes there isn't a concrete answer but when there is there's it, it takes it's a process it takes a lot of time you know humans are we have patterns, but also complexities. A lot of little nuances and factors that go mm -hmm. into someone's mental health. For sure. Yeah, and, and I, I definitely you know, encourage anyone who's listening, and if anything's resonating and you're thinking of your child, just talk to your pediatrician, talk to your child's teacher. Sometimes they can you know, give you a different perspective. Um, and uh, That's Talk to your child. Yeah, talk to your, <laughs> talk to your child. What part, you can just always ask your child what parts of the school day are going well for you, yeah. what, what parts are hard, and, and if, if it overlaps with things that you're seeing at home that are hard yeah. for them, um, then you know, bring it up to the pediatrician and, and the teacher. Um, and the, when you bring it up to the teacher and the teacher has the same concern, um, the school can take it 
from there. But yeah, just encourage you to reach out and, and talk to people. Don't don't spend all this time going on Google and Mayo Clinic. Just talk to <laughs> professionals. Yeah, and and be my my you know redundant sentiment is be curious about your child. Mm-hmm. Continuously ask them questions and maybe not overwhelm them with mm-hmm. them, but you know. I know a lot of parents, so how was your school day? And the child Mm -hmm. goes, fine. You know, maybe get a little more specific, like you're saying. What was difficult today? What was Mm -hmm. really easy? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you think made it difficult today? Mm -hmm. Well, I had to sit down for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's hard about that for you? Mm -hmm. You keep asking these questions of curiosity and give that child the space to continue to explore their world and how how their experience is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and something else I, when I am working with parents um and teachers i'm i'm I, I go in not wanting to assume that the problem is organic to the child and so i do a pretty thorough job of assessing the environment and how much the environment the classroom mm-hmm. or home is uh contributing to the child's behavior and i think uh parents can just kind of ask themselves that like do i Am I seeing behaviors when this is expected? Maybe mm-hmm. this expectation is beyond their control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have parents and teachers sort of think about it from that lens because any mental health condition is essentially an impairment, but it's only when a demand is there and and the person isn't able to cope with that demand. Right. So that's what an impairment is. And so, you know, I say even to my, to my parents who... Um, who have children with ADHD, it's it's a problem in these cert- certain situations, but if you have hyperactive ADHD, you, it's not a problem at PE, mm-hmm. right? You're, most of the time, like, you're, <laughs> if, if you're engaged in a, in a, a sport that you can um, excel at and you can get your energy at, it's not a problem there. So problems are only problems when the expectation environment is um, kind of in a, set up for a, a box type Sorry for cutting you off. The, what came to my mind is the part you said that expectations in the environment, and then what came to my mind exceed the child's capacity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that moment, maybe not yeah. forever, but right. in that moment. Right. Um, I think that's the, all of that's good information. I don't mm-hmm. know if you wanted to share any more, but one thing I'll give you a mm-hmm. chance to think about that that I wanted to share specifically was about tr- my aim and goal to destigmatize mental health destigmatized special education mm-hmm. um, and one having worked in education and mental health um, and really have having worked with students for the last 10 years mm-hmm. plus is you know realizing that you know special education doesn't mean that there's something wrong with somebody right mm-hmm. that that there's uh, in a lot of times unfortunately that I've seen I'm having these talks with parents is it becomes isolative Mm-hmm. when the child is receiving special education they feel further um, ostracized from the community that they did something wrong mm-hmm. and it it is often still that it becomes synonymous that a child isn't intelligent mm-hmm. and like that's that's a myth yeah not it, true at all and uh, so yeah i wanted to put that out there you know i, I try to to break when i'm working with any any student that is receiving special education, I'm trying to break that down as much as I can. And I think that's an, an important lesson for people is that it's remember it's, it's, the baseline of school is it, it, it's one thing, but children have unique needs and, mm-hmm. and that's where special mm-hmm. education starts to come into play. And, and if you think about it, it's like, it, it's kind of hard to really assume that 
everyone would just benefit from the same exact thing. Right. Or learn the same concept in the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I don't know, that's just a message I wanted to leave with today that um, to, to further break down the stigma and to just realize it's like mental health, if, if, if we compare it to physical health, it's like, you know, that becomes so accepting of what we put into our bodies, how we sleep and how our body feels. Mm -hmm. But when we want all of our minds to feel good and feel good about what we do and feel good about the skills we have, mm -hmm. be able to manage maybe our weaknesses by mm -hmm. engaging in our strengths. Anyways, I want to soapbox now. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, I think the, the last thing I just wanted to touch on, just if any of this is resonating with you as a parent um, that, uh, you know, children develop at certain time. They develop certain skills at certain times. And so if you're worried about language, there are tons of things that you can Google. You can Google language uh, developmental milestones and you can kind of understand uh, if, if your child is not hitting certain markers at certain times same rings true for motor and if you have questions if you feel like they're they're not on track talk to your pediatrician you can get referrals to see a speech and language pathologist or referrals to see an occupational therapist or physical therapist and if you don't have the insurance to go through that route i definitely recommend um, checking out community uh, organizations such as regional centers um, and those i have i think I think I have a comprehensive list of all the regional centers in the Bay Area on my website, so you can check those out. And then the other resources, definitely your child's school, um, because we as school uh, officials, we want to intervene early. The research behind early intervention is remarkable, and so we want to intervene and, and provide those services as quickly and, and extensively as we can so that those um, delays can be remedied. And so. I just want to say, like, don't freak out if uh, if if any of this is ringing true for you. I might have talked about some uh, skill that is actually normal. So mm -hmm. there are certain speech sounds that are completely normal for a child to misarticulate until a certain age, right? So don't you know? I just don't want to freak out anybody. For sure. Look it up, um, and then talk to your uh, pediatrician and other specialists to to really find out. Well, thank you. And one thing I'd like to add to that too is reminding. Uh, any listener that children children are resilient, right. you know. So if they're struggling with something, it doesn't, you know. There might be a bigger story that the the parent is telling of what did I do to cause this, mm -hmm. or are they, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Well, we don't know that. Right. You know, focus yeah. on the moment. Uh, your own self regulation at the parent for me as a mental health provider mm -hmm. as a therapist is paramount mm -hmm. to that child's success. Right. If you can show them that difficulties do happen in life, and we can we can work through them, mm -hmm. that fosters that resiliency, that mm -hmm. fosters that grit, right? And the like tenacity coping. in that child that yeah. I can get through difficulties or challenges mm -hmm. or when uh, maybe, and that to me is usually my most important message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, anyways, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, thank you so much for your time and doing this uh, podcast today. So remember, uh, mariagregorylep.com for further information on the the work Maria Gregory does and f for further resources. I'll add additional resources and links in the bio of this episode or the show notes. So please refer to those. Is that all? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, always, always remember that Therapize Podcast is an informational and educational podcast. It is not 
in place to serve as your own self-diagnosis or mental health resource or replacement for your own mental health care. So we encourage you to go explore it and access the resources that, that may be around you. Anyways, as always, thank you for listening. This has been your host, Guy Hernandez, and signing off today with our guest, Mary Gregory. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.